Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. Hey church, Pastor Mark here. I wanted to give you a quick update. Most of you know by now that I broke my leg. I would love to tell you that I broke my leg by fighting off five terrorists in my backyard, but that's just not true. I just simply broke my leg. In fact, after this filming, I head off to surgery to get this fixed. And before I do, I wanted to just say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for the text, the emails, the phone calls, the cards, even some of you bringing meals to our house. We're truly grateful to be a part of Hamilton Hills Church. I expect a full recovery, and we'll see you real soon. Jesus, the name of Jesus, born of a virgin to pay the ultimate price for us, God's chosen son, born in a stable and placed in a manger. Wise men travel day and night to bring gifts and worship the king. He is the Messiah. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is Emmanuel. He is the great I am. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the almighty God. He is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. He is. Hey, uh, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter number nine. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're a guest with us, we are honored that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. Um, As we begin, um, if you have your Bible, you can turn. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the the verses up on the screen. But um, uh, as we were praying this morning for this message and and for the hearts of the people that would be coming to receive it, I I want you to focus in for just a moment and, and really think of this thought. I know it's a John 3, 16 cliche thought, but God loves you. God loves you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, God loves you. And um, as, as, as we get into the sermon, we're going to be talking about God is the mighty God. We're going through Isaiah chapter nine, verse number six. And uh, uh, we talked about last week, wonderful counselor. And uh, with wonderful counselor, God has a plan for each one of you, uh, an individual plan. Uh, a, a awesome plan that's full of wonder and awe, but God also loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Uh, it's very, oftentimes in a crowd this size, we, we'll have somebody that has never accepted the love of Christ. They don't think they're worthy of the love of Christ. Can I tell you, the Christmas season is all about God sent his son to die for you because he loves you. Because he loves you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6 says this. This is where we've been getting our sermon series from. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, say it with me, church, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now, Whenever I put a message together, I oftentimes, especially once I know the title or I know the direction that we're going, I will think about what kind of matches up or what's the first thought that comes to my mind whenever I hear the title. And when you talk about the word mighty, I don't know about you, but I think of like, you know, the world's strongest or like the best or the most powerful. 
And so uh, I was thinking, I wonder what the, the world's strongest man is, who the world's strongest man is. Of course, there's different categories of world's strongest men. Uh, I was in two of the four, but no, I'm joking. Uh, but I didn't want to promote myself, so I put somebody else up on the screen. No, the, 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 uh, the one that has bench pressed the most weight ever, it's 885 pounds. Go ahead and put them up on the screen. Blaine Summers, 885-pound bench press. Now, what he's doing right there, I believe, is a leg press. Is that correct? Or is that a squat? Don't laugh, all right? doesn't matter. I don't even need to work out. Um, I, have, uh, I, have, I have two wishes in my life that are non-spiritual by any stretch of the imagination. One of them is I would love one time to go into a gym and lift something so heavy that the, the bar just bends a little bit. That would be so cool. Anybody with me? Okay, yeah, we've got one in the back. Thanks, man. And there, there's, a, there's a, a, another thing. I would love to be able to grow my beard out so long just one time, I'd shave it right after it happened, but so long that I could actually feel the wind blowing my beard. I would just want to be able to say that. I know it's weird, but that's two things. That has nothing to do with the sermon or powerfulness or at all, mighty anything. But uh, mighty man, Blaine Summers, 885-pound bench press, and then the world's most powerful biblical character. Anyone want to guess who that would be? Who would yeah, first person that comes to your mind, Samson, right? So Samson, he killed an entire Philistine army barehanded, uh, jawbone of a donkey, like just killed people. And I would never want to do that. But if I had to, that's the way I would want to do it. Um, just amazing story. You automatically think of Samson, right? And then um, don't put the next one up yet. Uh, how many of you, and you, class, you have to raise your hand. Okay, I'm not going to call on you unless you raise your hand. Uh, how many of you know what the world's most powerful animal Per body weight. I said, don't say it out loud. You have to raise your hand. Go ahead. Ant. So I thought so. Maybe you're right because someone said that in the first service. So now maybe I think I'm wrong. But I'm up on stage, so I have to, I have to go against it. It's the dung beetle. The dung beetle. And it eats, you guessed it, for its strength, I guess. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the three strong, you got Blaine Summers, Samson and Dung Beetle. I never thought that's what would end up showing up in my message when I thought of the word mighty, but it's interesting when you think of, uh, the word mighty and you put mighty God next to it. And then we just came up with three things that are some of the most powerful or the strongest things in the world. And you go, there's really no comparison to the might of God. When you think of God, and his might, and his strength, he created all three of those things. No one compares in might. No one compares in strength of God. And it was important in this day and time for Isaiah to write this because he was writing before the coming of Jesus. And he was prophesying about, hey, Israel, there's going to be a time when the Messiah is going to come, and when the Messiah comes, he will bring you a wonderful counselor, He'll bring you a wonderful planner. He'll bring you an amazing plan for your life. And be comforted in this, Israel. He will also be called Mighty God. See, up until this point, the only time of peace in the time of Israel was when David reigned. And not even during the whole reign of David. But when David reigned, there was a little time of peace where Israel was a powerful nation. But up until this point, there was enemies and people that were always trying to get the the nation of Israel down. Assyria, Syria, 
uh, people from the north, people from the east, always under attack. Jesus was called and prophesied as the mighty God. And the Davidic covenant promised to bring a king, a king of kings that would defeat the enemies of Israel and bring peace to their land forever. Later on in the book of Isaiah, I want to read this together. And by the way, um, some of you who like homework, here's some homework for you. This week, go through the entire chapter of Isaiah chapter number 40. It's an amazing passage, a powerful passage. And we'll have it up on the screen here. It reads this way. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Who else has the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth? Or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? You ever advised the Spirit of the Lord before? God, I don't think you understand what's going on here. If you would just understand who is able or who knows enough to give him advice or teach him. Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No. For all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. There's different types of people or different people in different stages, I should say, here this morning. There's those of us who may have already have a relationship with Christ and are putting fully our trust in Christ for our eternity. There's those that maybe you're on the fence and you're wondering if you should even make that decision or you're wondering what's more about this Jesus guy and why do people follow him and what is Christmas all about? Can I tell you that no matter where you are in your stage of life, that there is a creator of the universe, his name is God, and he created you and he created me and he created you and me on purpose for a purpose with a great plan. And the reason why we can give him credit for that is because he is an unbelievably powerful, mighty God. Extremely powerful. Like we can take Blaine Summers and put him up against God and there's no match. We can put him up against Samson and there's no match. We can put him up against anybody and there is no match because he is the creator of all things. One of the things that I know that myself I get tempted to do or so easily, especially the older I get, the more fickle I feel, the more weak I feel, the more I realize that I'm prone to wander and my heart will wander from God. And every time that my heart wanders from God, I can always bring it back to one thing. I'm not realizing what a mighty God I serve. I have an awe problem. I have a respect problem with understanding who God is and where that puts me positionally on this earth. See, it doesn't take me much to get pride, get going in my life before I feel like I'm powerful. I could be in one day, in one sense, 
very humble and very, oh man, God is my God and God, I'll do anything for you. And then as soon as God may give a measure of success or a measure of accomplishment, so easy it is for my heart to wander and say, man, I did a really good job or man, I am pretty cool or man, I am successful and not understanding that the success and wonder or anything of any accomplishment that I have ever belongs to me. Anything good in me is only the goodness of God. The only thing truly powerful in me, if I could do actual powerful works, is only because God gave me the gifts to do it. Or because the Holy Spirit resides inside of me. Can I tell you this morning that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, which is God. That means that you have access to 100% of the power of God. You have that right now inside of you. But also how often do we on the other side of things feel so frail and weak and say, I could never do anything great for God. I'm just, or this happened in my past, or my story isn't like somebody else's story. My testimony isn't like somebody else's testimony. I could never fill in the blank because I'm no one. You see, the might of God, and we're going to see this in just a moment, leads us away from both of those paths. Did you know both of those are prideful? Both of them are full of self. I could never do. I could, I'm a nobody. You don't know my story. And then the other, on the prideful part, what we would more recognize as pride is, I'm awesome, I can, I can, I will, I have done. Both of them are full of self. Both of them are full of pride. But can I tell you this morning that the person that lives inside of you through the Spirit of God, if you know him as your Savior, is all-powerful, and you can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you if you're doing what God wants you to do. But a lot of times we like to take that verse, I can do all things which strengtheneth me as I'm about to play a basketball game and I'd really like to win. I remember when I played college basketball, we would, you know, we'd wear that verse everywhere. Philippians 4.13, baby. We're about to go into battle. I can do all things through Christ. I can make that three-pointer. And then it's funny, I would miss the three-pointer. Does that mean God wasn't powerful? No, it means God isn't our cosmic 911 call. God isn't in the business of making sure you're successful. God isn't in the business of making sure you have riches. That's not his business. You know what God's business is? His glory. He doesn't want people to know you're awesome. He wants people to know he's awesome. Isaiah didn't say that he was going to be called mighty God so that you could also be called mighty. He said he's going to come and he is going to be a mighty God. But here's what's awesome is we look at point number one. Oh, wait, I forgot to fill in. I hate when a pastor does that. He leaves the blanks and at the end you're like, but can you, it's like a sneeze, you know, that didn't come out. You're like, I got to finish it. He's mighty over everything. If you're following along in your worship guide, over everything, he's sovereign in his power. He's mighty in strength. He's mighty in strength. 
He says he will rule in verse number 10 with a powerful arm. He's also mighty in protection in verse number 11. I love this part. Not only is he mighty in power, not only does he have the power to destroy everything, his character says he will also hold us like a loving shepherd close to his heart. He's mighty also in exclusivity. He's mighty in knowledge, verse number 13. Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? He's mighty also in ruling, verse number 15. No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. We can get so wrapped up in the political climate and whatever our political beliefs are one way or the other and everything rests on this or on this. And then there's a fight between the two and God says, do you understand that the nations, the whole world, I created everything, they're like a drop in the bucket. What's so awesome about a God that is a God so great and so big that the nations and the world are like a drop in a bucket. He also sent to that drop in the bucket a savior for God so loved the world. That's how mighty of a God that we serve. You can get into like theological questions of Calvinism versus Arminianism, and you get all of these things. I like to explain it like this. Can God create a rock so heavy that he can't move it? He can, and then he can move it. That's how mighty of a God that you serve. He's big and he's powerful. God's might gives us this. Number one, it gives us a fear of God. A fear of God. Fear is not a very common word. No one likes to fear anything. I remember when I was in a, a, a chapel at the school that I went to in ninth grade. One of my best friends was in 11th grade. He was older than me, and that was during my punk years. My hair was green, and I had a mohawk. No, I'm just kidding. It was during my years of rebellion. I remember we were all sitting in the back row, and, uh, because that's where the awesome kids sit, in the back. I see you guys back there. You're awesome. We were sitting in the back, and the, the, the guy in the chapel said, everybody fears something. And he says, tell me something that you guys fear. And the people in the back row, including me, of course, I was looking at my friends like, we're not saying anything, right? <laughs> right, guys? Right? And, of course, we didn't say anything, and he pointed out. He says, so you guys aren't scared of anything? And I remember the 11th grader, his name was Matt Wilkins. It wasn't Matt Thistle. Different Matt. And he goes, no, I ain't scared of nothing. And I was like, man, that's bold. That's awesome. Like fear, we don't want to fear anything. No one wants to live their life in fear, so we automatically think the fear of God would be a bad thing. No one wants to fear God because why would we want to live our lives scared of God? And that word fear doesn't mean scared. It means you could be. It's an awe and a respect of who God is. Our culture has lost the fear of God. We don't fear him. We think he's the man upstairs or he's the good guy. He's the one we pray to when we need things. No, God is more than that. Yes, he is your heavenly father, but he is also the creator of the universe. And one day you and I will stand before him. And we will in awe and respect and wonder as we look him in the eye, bow our knee immediately. Those that believe and those that don't believe. We will either bow or will bow. Because the God we serve is so mighty and awesome and great that he demands our awe and respect of who he is. 
The Bible says in Jeremiah 5.22, Should you not fear me, declares the Lord. Should you not tremble in my presence. This fear and this awe leads us to a reverence of who God is. The world would love to destroy your fear and respect and awe and reverence of who God is. You can see it in Hollywood all over the place. They're constantly degrading who God is. Why? Because if we can, if, if the enemy can get us from not having a fear and awe and respect of God, it can never lead to a victorious life. Psalm 33, verse 8, it says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. This verse shows us that our fear of the Lord leads us to positionally see where we stand with the God of the universe. But here's what's awesome. If we can get down where we positionally fall in order with the God of the universe, it leads us to something so awesome and so great. Number two, it leads us to humility and boldness. Humility and boldness. You know how you can say uh, uh, truth and love go together. So without truth, without truth, you can't really love somebody. If I don't tell you, hey, you girls, all right? Let me get on the girls for a second with the whole like, oh, you look really great. And then the other girl goes, oh, you look really great. And then, you know, they walk out with like the eyeliner's not exactly right, but no one really wants to tell the truth. It's all about like, you look really great. All right, I'm getting really big trouble right now. All the husbands are going like this. And then all the girls are just looking at me like this. We g- love and truth go together. So you can't love somebody unless you tell them the truth. And you can't tell the truth. It's not real truth unless it contains love. A lot of people like telling the truth. Oh, that's horrible. Some of you like to say that about whenever I preach. Like you'll walk out and you're like, I've got to love you. I've got to tell you the truth. That was, that was horrible. Truth in love and love in truth. And the same goes for boldness and humility. They both go together. Because if you have the fear of God and you positionally put yourself where you're supposed to be, you can have humility and boldness at the same time. Let me give you an example. You guys know David, right? David, as a shepherd boy, probably around 15 or 16 years old, he's uh, going to take... His, uh, a lunch to his brothers who are fighting a battle against the Philistines. When he shows up, he hears the biggest Philistine, Goliath the giant, standing over nine feet tall, and he hears him mocking God. He hears him disrespecting the God of Israel. And so David says, that's not right. No one disrespects my God. My God's a mighty God. My God's a great God. And so uh, what Goliath was doing, saying, if anybody can defeat me, we will just won't have a war and we'll just, we'll just call it even. Or we won't call it even. Whoever wins. And so is there any challengers? And then on the sideline, we have King who? King Saul. King Saul's on the sideline and he is what we would normally think of humility going, oh man, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. There's no way. Normally and typically we wouldn't expect to think of David having humility. We would say it more be like he'd be prideful because he went up to Goliath and said, you're going down, bro. I'm going to kill you. I'm getting some smooth stones. I'm going to put them in the chamber. And by the way, he didn't just like, boom, right in the forehead, go down. Then he like had to like finish the job. He like cut his head off. 
I mean, this was like not one of those things where he's like, I'm just a humble servant. Whoom! You know? David killed Goliath without apology. Saul is sitting on the sideline going, I'm not worthy. One we would normally typically say, oh, that's the humble one, and David's the prideful one. But humility doesn't have anything to do with your persona. It has nothing to do with your posture in your spirit. It has everything to do with your posture and position you put yourself with God. That's why somebody who's giving the gospel or a pastor who gets up and preaches the message can preach it in humility and boldness because you know what? It's not my words, it's God's words and I can be bold about what God has given me to give to you not because I'm prideful but because I know my position with God. So when we say, oh, I can't do such and such. I could never live, I could never share, my, share the gospel with my neighbor because you just don't know my, I could never. And God says, no, I have given you the power. I've given you the might through my spirit. You can be humble and in your humility have a boldness to do what God has given you to do. I said it last week, God has given every single one of you in here a plan. A wonderful, awesome plan. But here's what happens. We do one of two things. We either have so much pride that it gets in the way of the plan because we try to do the plan in our own power or we say, I'm not good enough. Both are prideful. And God says, it's not about how you speak or what you do. It's about saying, I know the God that I serve and I know he's in control. Later on in the story of David, David's the king that's going to be anointed or he's been anointed he's going to be the next king and Saul gets jealous and so Saul in his jealousy says let's send some guys after David we're going to take him out and in their pursuit of David to kill David David actually with his mighty men stumble upon Saul sleeping in a cave David's got his sword right there his mighty men right there they're like let's let's get this over and done with this guy's trying to kill you let's let's take him out And David, in his humility, says, no, it's not my time yet. God does not want me to be king yet. This isn't my position. Both were a humble spirit because both were from the plan that God had for David. But it can only come first when we truly fear with an awe and respect of who God is. Some of us in here this morning need to get back to that fear and awe of God because we have more a fear and awe of ourself or a fear and awe of others. We're afraid of what someone's going to say. What if I give the gospel? What are they going to say? What if I resist this? What if I, when my coworkers are not doing what they're supposed to do, and I kind of step out of the ring and don't take part, what are they going to say? We fear man more than we fear the creator of the universe. Let that sink in for a second. That's convicting to me. When I think there are often times in my life that I'm in more fear and awe and respect of other people than the God that created those people. 
I'm in more fear of what culture will think than I am of the God that says that he holds the nations in his hands and they're nothing but a drop in the bucket to him, dust on the scale. Can you think about this for a second? What could God do with a church that truly feared him, had an awe and respect for God and didn't fear what anybody else thought. By the way, it's got to be done in love. I used to be a part of a movement that had no fear of man and they'd go right up to people and tell them right about Jesus. You have to do it also in love. But God has given each one of you the ability to do what he has commanded us to do. Because God is not just a cosmic 911 lifeline. He's an all-powerful God. And then number three, it does this. It leads us to the ability to do three things. Leads us to the ability to do three things. And I believe these three things are in your worship guide. Write these down. Um, First is to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. To demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I used to say fruits of the Spirit when I was younger. I would say we would like even sing a song. I can't remember it. And even if I did, I wouldn't sing it. Um, we do the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. But really the Bible says it is the fruit of the Spirit. Because naturally what we do is we go with our personality and we say, okay, let's look at the fruit of the Spirit. We got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Oh, goodness, I'm not really good at and faithfulness. So I've got like one, two, three, four, five, six of the eight. Like that's not bad. Like that's a pretty high percentage. Any mathematicians, what percentage is that? Six of eight. All of, all of six. Um, all of six of eight. So it would be what, what, 70-something percent. Yeah, so that's not bad. Like that's a really high percentage. Like that's higher than most what I would get on tests all the time. And so, um, and actually I lie, I went through all of high school without one B or A. So, (laughs) yeah, now you laugh. Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23 says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The Spirit of God that lives inside of you, through the might of God, has given you the power to overcome anything that comes your way. But we have to step outside of ourselves. If I had been able to get this when I was younger, I wish I had been able to get it because for years I wrestled with, I would get frustrated at God. I'd say, God, I'm, I'm trying to do things, and you say that through our, your spirit I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, and I fail all the time. Anyone ever been frustrated at God? God, you you say that you're mighty. The pastor gets up and preaches a message and says, man, how powerful and awesome God is and he has the ability to do everything. Well, why don't you take away 
all the hurt? Why don't you take away all the suffering? If you're so powerful, I don't understand that. We kept on waiting for this like moment to happen where all the messiness in life went away. And I confuse God's might to be something that makes me comfortable rather than his will and the kingdom of God being built. And here's what God's might gives you and me through the messiness. Number two, peace. It gives us the ability to have peace. So the nation of Israel was looking for peace on earth. Jesus came in a manger and the Messiah came. What frustrated the Israelites and at the end when they rejected him, his own people who he healed who he rose from the dead. The reason why they rejected him is because they wanted all the government messiness to go away. They wanted the Roman government to go away. They wanted the nations that had been brutalizing them for thousands of years to finally be destroyed and go away. They were looking for a Messiah to take away the messiness, not give them peace through the messiness. See, God's might this morning is not for you to have no problems. God's might this morning is to show a world that's full of problems. Even though the problems don't go away, you can have peace, you can have comfort, and you can have power even through the messiness of life. If it was the other way around, try telling that to John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist, you believed. You preached the Messiah. And then what happened to him at the end? He was martyred. He died. Well, man, that's not, a, that's not a happy ending story. God gave John the Baptist peace through a horrible circumstance. And now there are messages preached all over this world. John the Baptist didn't know that. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know he was going to end up in canonized scripture that would be preached for thousands of years. He had no idea. God's plan is an awesome plan. It doesn't always include comfort, but what it does include is peace. Not peace for the whole world, but peace for you inside of you as a believer. A peace that the Bible calls that passes all understanding. And then lastly, number three, it gives you the ability to share your faith. If you have a pen and you wrote that down, I want you to circle the word your. Share your faith. God has given each one of you in here this morning a story. It's a story of your faith. Our, the word our, combined every, is powerful. But can I tell you that your story is powerful? Thinking of Madeline LaFue's testimony this morning. It was two sentences. It was basically, I knew I needed Jesus Christ. And I'm making this decision because it's what he wanted. Can I tell you, that's powerful. That's powerful, folks. That's her faith. That's her story. As a first grader saying, you know what? I realize my position with God and I realize I need him. And I realize without him, I am nothing. That's huge. 
Because most people never, ever, ever, ever get there. And every story is different, but every story is that personal story from one person. God wants you to share your faith. And he gave you a story through your faith because it's going to help somebody else take a step of faith that will become their story. Of the eight baptisms, I know several of them came because they saw other people get baptized. Faith always gives birth to more faith. It's your story. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.